0: come let us adore. And that that really it hits at the heart of what Christmas is all about. Christmas is the season of celebration. It's the season of, of adoration. Now, uh, not everybody gets that idea about Christmas or their object of celebration is different. Some people celebrate uh, the receiving of gifts or maybe even the giving of gifts. They they. Really, kind of shrink Christmas down uh, to uh, presents under a tree, and I know when I was a kid, that was kind of what Christmas was all about to me. It, it, everything that that Christmas meant could be encapsulated in what I got on a Christmas morning, and 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 certainly I understand that from a young person's uh, perspective, from a child's perspective, but uh, as As those who are followers of Jesus, uh, we need to put away childish things. See, Christmas isn't about giving and receiving gifts. Some have said, well, we celebrate Christmas because of all the good cheer, uh, of all the kindness that that we pass around and and all all the good vibes that go on. You know, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. And y'all would like to teach me to sing in perfect harmony too. But, but you know that whole idea that this is the season where everybody just throws out better vibes than they used to. And, and although I appreciate that, that's really not what Christmas is about. That's not what we celebrate at Christmas. And some say, well, we celebrate Christmas because of, uh, of uh, a series of holidays that, that kind of run together and make everybody have uh, a Godward perspective, well yeah, I mean okay i can I can swing with that a little bit, but the problem is that unless you know God, that perspective doesn 't do you any good, and that 's really not what we celebrate either. You see, what we celebrate at Christmas is this wonderful intrusion of god 's love, the one true God, the only god the the wondrous intrusion of god 's love that transforms the landscape of our life. It's it's the intrusion of God's love. It is love's pure light, according to Silent Night. Love's pure light being not just an idea or an emotion or a season, but love's pure light being a person. His name is Jesus. And and so when we come to Christmas, we come to celebrate Jesus. Not, Not a song, not a tradition, not a feeling, not an ideology. We come to celebrate Jesus because Jesus truly is the invasion of God's love that will transform the landscape of your life and mine. And and that's what we celebrate. We come to celebrate the birth of God with us. Now, as we look at at, at Christmas, we, we hear the different... Uh, Different moments of love's praise erupting uh, on the scene of that first Christmas. You realize before Luke chapter 2, there was no Christmas. You you realize that. I, I mean, I don't know if you get it. There was no Christmas before 4 B.C. Or, you know, that's generally when people think Jesus was actually born, around 4 B.C. There was no Christmas before that. There wasn't a holiday that even, that even touched up in, in thought or practice like Christmas. Until 4 B.C., there was no celebration of the birth of Christ because that's when Christ was born. But when Jesus was born, all heaven began to sing. We know this because of Luke chapter 2, uh, that, that Jesus was born... And then the, the, the angel went and met with a bunch of shepherds on the hillside outside Bethlehem. And, and the, the angels said, don't be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly the whole sky was filled with a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, and here's the praise. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. All heaven began to celebrate love's praise. The, the, the celebration of God's love invading this world in the person of Jesus Christ. Love's praise. We hear it on the lips of the angel, we, angels from heaven. We, we hear it on, on, the, on the lips of, of Mary herself. And uh, when she considers that she's giving birth... Uh, to, to the Messiah, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And she begins to praise God for he has done excellent things, marvelous things for me, she says. She, she understands that, that with the coming of Jesus, everything changes. We, we hear it from Simeon when he first sees the baby child. He says, now I can depart in peace for mine eyes have seen the Lord's salvation. He understood that everything changed with the coming of Jesus. Even Anna, the prophetess, who was over 80 years old, when she saw Jesus, the Bible says that she began to thank God for what he had done. And then she, it says that she went around telling everybody about Jesus Everyone who cared about the redemption, the rescue of Israel. Anna understood that this child, this baby, this Jesus was going to be instrumental in the rescue of God's people. And so she began to thank God. As we gathered here today, I want us to join in the chorus of praise, thanking God and praising Him for what He has done and what He is doing in Jesus Christ. Now, I, I know that many of you are here, and 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 if if I were to take a tally, I would probably estimate that the majority of folks who are here are followers of Christ. And therefore, when I talk about what we praise or the reason we praise or love's praise, it, it's going to make perfect sense to you, but there are some in the room today who have yet to experience God's love, true love loves pure light you you've yet to experience it because you have yet to embrace Jesus as your Savior you you've yet to submit to Jesus as your King Jesus has not transformed your life he's just a guy that you think about every now and then a teacher a religious figure but what Christmas teaches us is that that Jesus is not just some good man in the flesh but literally he is God become flesh Jesus coming to Bethlehem is an invasion of God himself into the world delivering his love to all who would receive it as we as we consider how to sing praise uh, and, and really the foundation of our praise at Christmas. Why do we celebrate at Christmas? We've got to set our gaze and our focus on Jesus. And, and I, I want us to turn to Isaiah chapter 12 to, to help us understand that. Isaiah chapter 12 is the, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah looking through the corridor of time inspired by the spirit of God himself. And the prophet Isaiah looking through, down the corridor of time and seeing the Messiah. In fact, the whole section, Isaiah chapter 1 through chapter 12, that section, it ends at chapter 12, but, but that whole section is called the Emmanuel section. It's the section where, where Isaiah is led through this journey by the Spirit of God to talk to the children of Israel about uh, how their sin had created the rubbish and the, and the pain and the struggle in which they were living. By the way, if you didn't know this, and I'll say this often, your sin will destroy you my sin destroys me if you didn't know it a life of disobedience to God leads to the rubble of regret living in the ash heap of sorrow that's what the Bible teaches us that's where the children of Israel were and by the way can I just tell you that's where I've been too sitting on the ash heap of my own disobedience and rebellion against God, I live in that misery and that torment. But it doesn't have to stay that way. Good news. One of the reasons why we sing with love's praise is because God's great love intrudes even in my rebellion. God's love intrudes even in my disobedience. God's love intrudes. In in the midst of my distance from God because of my sin, God's love intrudes in the person of Jesus to transform the landscape of my life. See, when I live distanced from God because of my sin, I am a man most miserable. When I live distanced from God because of my sin, I am a man uh, in, in, in absolute distress and despair, despondency, hopelessness, joylessness. That's who I am because I'm distanced from God by my sin. In Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1, I, I want you to read this. Uh, Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1. Here's what, here's what the prophet says. Now, now he has just talked about the Messiah coming. Isaiah chapter 11 talked about the, the root of Jesse, the, the stem from, from Jesse. He's talking about the one who will, uh, who will come and, and set everything right so that the lion lay down with the lamb. That's, that's Isaiah chapter 11, and that's the picture of the Messiah. On that day, Jesus will come and everything will be changed. Hey, it, it's, it's, it's that, that picture of, of the Messiah coming. So in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1, when Isaiah says, uh, on that day, you will say, what is on that day? On that day is the day of Christ's coming. On that day is the day where God's love trans, uh, tra- translates uh, or transforms our world with the person of Jesus Christ. It's, it's the absolute transformation that takes place. It's Christmas. On that day, the day where God's love comes to town. That's, that's what we celebrate at Christmas. And Isaiah said, on that day, what's going to happen? On that day, you will say, oh, Lord, I will praise you. Though you are angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. Now, let me ask a question. Why was the Lord angry? The Lord was angry with Judah because they had rebelled in persistent rebellion against God. What causes God to be angry with me? Is it because I don't put away my dishes? No. That's my wife. The reason... She was at 9.30, she's not at 11, so I can, I'm getting a, no, I shouldn't do that, right? Okay, all right, take that back. Can't take that back. All right, but why why is God angry? God's angry because of our sinfulness. God is angry because there is sin in your life. You might say, well, I'm not that bad. Why is God angry with me? All I did was tell a little lie back when. Why is God angry with me? I only, only, only took a little piece of bubble gum from the store. I, why is God angry with me? I, I, I only did what everybody else is doing. I, why is God angry with me? I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as the, the Grinch. I mean, the Grinch was bad. He stole Christmas from the Who's down in Whoville. That's bad. And I say, well, well, if you look at my life, you compare it to the Grinch. I'm not that bad. Look at my life, compared to to that person over there. Well, I'm not that bad. With, and I understand that measurement. It makes us feel better. Because I can always find somebody in my own thinking that's worse than I am. Some of you made a whole life and career as a follower of Jesus doing that very thing. Spending every day, every hour, every moment that you can. Instead of looking at your own sinfulness, you look at other people's sin and talk about how bad they are. And you think about how good you are compared to them. By the way, that's, that's just a pitiful way of living. But it's the way we do sometimes. But, but the, the measure of our sinfulness is not other people's sinfulness. You realize this, yes? That, that the measure of my sin is not how sinful you are compared to me. The measure of your sin is not how sinful I am compared to you. The measure of our sinfulness is not one another. The measure of our sinfulness is a holy God who is perfect in every way, who cannot have friendship or fellowship with sin at all. It is your sin and it is my sin that has created distance between us and God. No matter how minor or small we see our sinful infraction against the holiness of God, it creates a chasm that we will never cross We are unable to cross it. We are distanced from God forever because of our sin. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he sent Jesus to rescue us. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Come to bridge the distance between sinful me and holy God. We sing praise to God at Christmas, whose love transforms the, the, the landscape of my life. Why? Because in His love, He dismantles the distance between me and God. I now can live in friendship and fellowship in the family of God because of Jesus. Friends, this is love. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and He gave us Son, to be the payment price for our sin. If you have tasted that love, man, you've got to praise Him. If you've tasted that love that is stretched across the universe and reached down to your very heart and soul and brought forgiveness to your sin, if you have tasted that love, then you've got to praise Him. You've got to celebrate this day in which God's love has invaded the darkness of, the, of your life and given you forgiveness. Oh my goodness gracious. Here's our comfort. Can I tell you it's my comfort even now? I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm going to heaven when I die. But I have comfort today because... Even though I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm going to heaven when I die, I am not a perfect follower of Jesus. And I still disobey God. And I still sin against Him. And in the midst of my sinfulness, even my rebellious sinfulness as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus, there still remains comfort for me in the person of Christ. There still remains that forgiving love available to me in the person of Jesus Christ. There still remains that hope for restoration in the family of God because of Jesus Christ. Today, I am a person who lives not based upon what I'm doing, but based upon what Jesus has done for me. I'm a guy who's been made whole, been given life in spite of me. Man, I gotta praise the one whose love has given me that. The reason we celebrate Christmas is not because we get a gift from our neighbors and our friends or our family. It's not because it's a good tradition to follow. The reason we we celebrate at Christmas is because God's love has transformed the landscape of my life. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. I once was strangled uh, in the guilt and shame of my sin, but now I am forgiven and I belong to God. God has come to town and he has set my life right. So we got to celebrate. We got to praise him. That's what Isaiah is saying. You got to praise him. Praise him. For though the Lord was angry with Eric, God turned his anger away and he has comforted me. Do you know that comfort? Do you know that peace? Not something you make, by the way, can you, and can I just, and I always feel like I need to do this at Christmas because uh, at Christmas time we start getting all caught up in, in, in the feeling of the season. Now there's nothing wrong with that, I love the feeling of the season, but we, we kind of think that, that this, the things I'm sharing apply to everybody in the universe. They don't, they only apply to those who are followers of Jesus. And and so today, I I just want to make it clear that the only way you can be forgiven of, of your sin and the only way that you can find friendship with God and the only way that you can find comfort in the midst of your own shame and guilt is not by what you do. It's not by the religious pursuits of your world. It's not the moral code that you follow. Those things are empty, empty, empty tools to satisfy our soul. The only way that you and I can taste God's love in full flavor is when we receive it as the gift that He intended. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Repenting our sin and trusting in Christ alone. That's our only hope. And if your song of praise, if your song of praise is only about what you've done as a church going folk, then your praise comes up short. If your praise is only about a song that you traditionally sing at Christmas and that's all it is, just a good feeling that you get, the good vibe of this song, then then your praise is going to come up short. By the way, you realize that the praise is really not about you or me at all. Your praise, my praise, it's all about the one who has given us life God Himself. He comforted me. He turned away His anger, not because of what I've done, but because of who He is. His love transforms the landscape of my life because even in my sinfulness, He's provided a Savior to rescue me. That's why the uh, Isaiah goes on He says, okay, on that day, you will say, oh Lord, we praise you uh, because even though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and, 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 and you comfort me. And then verse two, behold, God is my salvation. I'll trust and not be afraid for the Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Now, what's he talking about there? Well, God in his love transforms the landscape of our life through, through Jesus. He, he, he brings forgiving love to, to overwhelm my sinfulness so that today I live in, in intimacy with God. He, he dismantles the distance between me and God. But, but secondly, he goes on and he, and, and, and he brings strength to overwhelm my weakness. Now, here's the reality for us and i want you to hear this and you are weak many times helpless even as a follower of jesus i know that flies in the face of as a man that you know i i'm supposed to know all the answers and have all the solutions and get all the problems solved now i maybe you don't feel that way but that's the way i feel and that's honestly perhaps my biggest spiritual struggle is that sense of pride that says, you know, I'm, I've got to have all the answers. I've got to have all the problems solved. I, I need to know all the, uh, all the right answers. That's why, uh, that's why I never ask for directions. If I Google how to change a garbage disposal, I'll do it in quiet and in silence and in secret so nobody knows I had to Google how to change a garbage disposal. Um, of course, I'm confessing it now to you all. Um, will you all not tell any of the other hours, please? And, um, I, I, that's, that's how, you know, that's the core components of, of my DNA. And, and it's not good. It's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's bad because what it says is that I'm sufficient in myself to do life. And part of the problem I think all of us have Is that we mistakenly believe that we are sufficient in and of ourselves to do life and to do it well. That's just, that's hogwash. Wait, y'all know hogwash? I know some of you, not everybody's had a hog in their backyard. I have, but um, hogwash. Hogwash doesn't smell good, by the way. Have you ever smelled hogwash? (laughs) That's bad stuff. Anytime we think that we can manage life in our own sufficiency, in our own strength, in our own ability, we are just buying into the hogwash. It's called pride, it's ego, and even as followers of Jesus, is what we do. But do you realize that that perspective that says, I am strong enough to do life, it dismantles our praise. At least praise focused in the right direction. See, praise focused in the right direction is to God. When we say, I'm sufficient to do life on my own, I'm praising myself. And that always leads, leads to a bankruptcy of the soul. When we come to Christmas, what we're doing is we're saying, again, there was nothing I could do to overwhelm life's circumstance. Life was bigger than I could handle. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, sent Jesus to our rescue. He has overwhelmed my weakness with his strength. The God is my salvation. He's my rescuer. Stop looking to other things to rescue you. You know, I say, well, I can, you know, I can, I can rescue myself. Or I've got to take care of myself. Or, I've got to take care. If I don't take care of me, nobody will take care of me. Again, where do you get that hogwash? That's not what the Bible teaches. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we we need to go to what Scripture says. Scripture says that I am weak, and yet in my weakness, he is strong. Here's the promise that when God is my salvation, then he becomes my strength. He becomes my song. Here, what song are you really singing? I'm, I, I Just think about this. What, what Isaiah is saying is when we, when we have praise in its right perspective, God is the theme. And God's my song. Because He's my deliverer. He's my rescuer. He's the one who's given me life instead of death. He is the one who gives me hope in the midst of my despair. He is the one who satisfies my soul completely. I will trust in the Lord, the Lord Himself. I will trust in Him and not be afraid. And what happens is when we have our focus, our song is self, or our song is somehow what we can do to rescue us from our bad circumstances, whether it's a job or, or a way of doing uh, specific circumstances in life, we, we begin to say, oh, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to find rescue because I take this path, path A. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find rescue because I take this path, path B. Or I'm going to take this path, path C. But A, B, and C, none of them, that's not God. That's just different solutions to my problems. But when God is my song, then I'm going to set my focus on Him and I'm going to say, God, if you don't rescue me, I won't be rescued. Do you realize that is what it means to be surrendered to Jesus? God, if if you don't rescue me, I won't be rescued. God, if you don't, if you don't intervene and interject your love in this circumstance, then I'm hopeless. But God, I trust in you and I won't be afraid. I look at the excellent things that you've already done. Verse 5, I look at the marvelous works of your hand. I see how you have loved me with an everlasting love. And so God, today, I trust you and I won't be afraid. Listen, there is a connection between our praise of God and our fear. The more we praise God, the less we'll fear. The more we praise God, the more faith is bolstered. The more we praise God, the more we see his hand at work. The more we praise God, the more we celebrate his love. The more we experience the fullness of life, even when our circumstances are stinky. And we all have stinky circumstances. All of us do. You've got them, I've got them. All God's children got stinky circumstances. We've all got difficult scenarios in our life and... We don't know how to navigate them. We don't know how to overwhelm them or overcome them. And those are the stinky circumstances that are plaguing you today. And here's my my challenge for you. If God will be your song and the focus of your praise, then as you praise Him for what He has done for you in the person of Jesus Christ, then you will begin to experience a faith that you did not know before. And and, And you will be able to push back the fear that, see, that, that threatens to debilitate you and hamper you. You will experience the fullness of God's presence because God is your song and he is your strength and he has become your salvation. And so you will draw with joy waters from the well of salvation. That, that picture of verse 3 is a picture of us being satisfied. By God Himself, it's it's His love that satisfies us. It's it's not the change of the circumstance. It's the change of the perspective. It's what this faith begins to do in us as we set our praise focused on God. He begins, to, he begins to move in our heart and in our mind and in our soul and the icy tentacles of fear that once gripped us so tightly begin to, to, to untangle and un, 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 unhinge from us so that we begin to see our life through the lens not of the boogie men and women that are around us, not of the monsters that confront us. We begin to see our life through the lens of God's powerful love that rescues us and gives us hope. See, the more we praise God for the love that transforms the landscape of our lives, the more we see our lives transformed by his love. The more we begin to experience the joy and the peace and the hope and the comfort that we need in the midst of life. See, I'm not proposing that the bad stuff you're going through is going to disappear. I'm not suggesting that at all. What I'm suggesting is even in the bad stuff that you're facing, God's love will give you the strength and the courage and the peace and the hope and, yes, the joy in the midst of it. And that is better than life itself. I don't know if y'all like George Bailey. Y'all, y'all know George Bailey? It's a Wonderful Life! Y'all know George Bailey? Love George Bailey. How about you? If you haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life, let me just kind of give you a snapshot. George Bailey is, a, is the main character, uh, played by Jimmy Stewart. And George Bailey is the main character, and he uh, is, it's the story of him being a selfless guy, sacrificial in every way. He's a guy that had dreams and ambitions to go to college and, and, and travel the world and and make a bunch of money and that was his dream and ambition but from the very beginning even as an older brother rescuing his younger brother Harry from, from, uh, from falling through ice and drowning uh, uh, George gave himself sacrificially and selflessly. He sacrificed his college so that Harry, his younger brother, could go to college. He, he, he sacrificed his future by building a future at the, at the Bailey Savings and Loan, and, and he spent his fortunes, his life fortunes, not on a honeymoon with his beautiful bride traveling the world, but he spent his fortune bailing the bank out, the savings and loan, out of trouble when the Great Depression hit. George Bailey was a guy who, invested in the lives of others and was known to to sacrifice something for himself even for his family in order to bless those around him but if you know the story you know that things became um, unhinged right around christmas one christmas his uncle billy who was supposed to make deposits that day lost eight thousand dollars of the savings and loan money. He lost that $8,000, and it put George in a fix and a mess. So, so much so that uh, the bank examiner had been uh, been by the, the savings alone and loan, and George knew that if the $8,000 was missing, that George would get the blame and that he would take the blame for mismanagement of funds, and, and, and after a while, there would be actually a, 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 a warrant for his arrest for embezzlement. Now that's the situation George found himself in, and, and, and up to this point, he had been able to overcome those circumstances uh, with a positive attitude and a selfless heart, and, and, and yet this time, he became unhinged. His life was unwound before him. He, he looked at, at, at everything he had, and he couldn't see anything good about it, not his wife, not his four children, not the investment he had made in people in Bedford Falls, he only saw his failures and the troubles that he was facing. And so he, 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 he went crazy. If, if you've watched the movie recently, you, you've seen it. He, he goes crazy. He, he goes crazy. He, he goes crazy to his children. He goes crazy to his wife. He creates havoc in his home, and then he runs out, and he goes to Martini's, the bar, and, and, and as he sits there over a double shot of bourbon, he begins to pray a prayer asking for rescue, hoping to be relieved from the stress and the pain of his circumstances. George has that sinking feeling that he's more valuable dead than he is alive. And when no immediate answer comes to his prayer for relief, he goes to a bridge in the middle of a snowy blizzard and he thinks... It would be better if I just die, But God sent an angel at just the right moment. Not much of an angel. It's kind of a second-class angel. His name's Clarence. Doesn't even have his wings. But Clarence was on a mission to help change, transform George's perspective in life. And so if you know the story, you know how it goes through the the, the course from that point forward, uh, Clarence uh, makes George's experience as if George had never been born. And so Harry, his brother, died at the age of eight or nine because George was not there to rescue Harry from falling through the ice. Bedford Falls is no longer the Bedford Falls, now it's Potterville because the savings and loan led by... George Bailey wasn't there to help people in need, and the community itself began to fall apart. His mother wasn't living in a nice home, his mother was a hard hearted landlord to a rooming house. Because George had never been born, neither had his children. And the wife that he had married and who had his heart didn't even know who he was. Through that experience, George finds himself back on that bridge, longing for everything to turn back the way it was. He realized that the life that he had was better than he thought. And that he had made a difference. And so Clarence turned everything back the way it should be. And there was George. His lip was split because he had insulted a teacher. And her husband came and punched him in the nose. uh, Punched him in the mouth. And and, 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 and his his car was wrecked in a tree. And the snow was falling. Uh, His circumstances didn't change. But he had changed. The landscape of his life, the very being in which he lived, that that had changed. He began to see things from a different perspective. His circumstances hadn't changed as he runs through the streets of Bedford Falls toward home, and as he bursts through his home, and, and as he's smiling and singing and celebrating, there waiting for him, the sheriff going to arrest him, the bank examiner going to bring charges. His circumstances hadn't changed, but he's filled with joy. He runs up the steps and he hugs his children. His wife comes in and he hugs her. He is so filled with joy, not because his circumstances had altered one bit, but because his perspective had been transformed. The prophet Isaiah was speaking to us as he was speaking to the people of Judah. And your circumstances may be in the pits. But what leads us to celebrate? is not necessarily the turnaround of our circumstances. It's not necessarily the the changing of the landscape of of our circumstances, good or bad. What gives us perspective, what gives us hope, what causes us to celebrate, is that the God of love is with us, walking with us, journeying with us, strengthening us, comforting us us he is the one in whom we can trust and when we walk with him we walk in victory no matter what our circumstances are so today my prayer for us is that we would live with the hopeful anticipation of God's excellent work that his love might overwhelm us today And we might live in the grip of that love and praise Him. And we would celebrate the love of God, love's pure light that has come to us at Christmas. His name is Jesus. And as we celebrate Him, as we praise Him, then He will strengthen our faith and He'll give us strength in the face of whatever comes our way. Would you bow your heads, please? My question to us this morning is, first of all, do you know Jesus? See, apart from Jesus, apart from Jesus, you have no life, no forgiveness of sin. No peace and no joy. But because of Jesus, when you by faith trust him as the forgiver of your sin and the opening that you need to experience the full measure of life, when you trust in Jesus as your only hope for rescue, then everything changes. And maybe today there are some in this room who have yet to choose Christ. And if that's you, I invite you in a few moments when we stand and sing praise together to come to one of the pastors here at the front. And we'd love to share with you how that you can be rescued by God's grace and his love transform your heart and soul today. If you're a follower of Christ, my question to you is, what or who is your song? You see, if our song is anything other than God himself, then our praise falls short of what God deserves. His love is so enormous and so magnificent. He deserves the full measure of our praise, but He must be our song. He must be our everything, the theme of our heart and our life. So today, as a follower of Jesus, is God your song? If He is, then He is your rescuer. And as you focus on Him for rescue, and as you set your heart on Him, And the tenderness of his touch begins to swirl around your spirit. I pray that you would find strength and hope and peace and joy today. So, Father, as we gather here in this place at this time to worship you, I pray, O God, that you in this moment would lead us to praise you for the love that you've given us in Christ that transforms the landscape of our life. And may we trust you today and praise you. And may we praise you and increase in our trust for you so that we need not be afraid. Now be glorified as we worship you. Receive love's praise from the hearts of those who give it today. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.